0: Welcome to the Conversations with Anna podcast. My name is Dr. Anna Stump, the Golden Ticket Professor, a self-proclaimed edutainer. I'm a former business executive turned high school teacher turned college professor. And in the past three decades of that transition, I have spent time with several generations. And with that as my foundation, I have some stories to tell. In each episode, you'll hear stories or interviews that will help you focus on your own truth. I want you to feel accepted, motivated, supported, and then I want you to be able to take what you know about yourself and your truth, go out into this big old world we live in and apply that so you can move forward with a strategy for a more authentic life. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to a conversation with Anna. It's early in the day, so much I want to do. I dedicate today to breaking rules. I'm going to stick to a strategy. I'm going to find out exactly what I'm made of. Is there really something wrong with just smiling the whole day long? Hey, welcome back to Conversations with Anna. I'm back from a break, which... I usually don't talk about dates and times and anything too specific in these conversations because you never know when people are listening and you don't want to make it like, you know, concrete in terms of time. But I feel like I have to for this episode. So here we are, uh, the first full week of January, and I'm not necessarily like an episodic podcast. Like I don't have seasons and you know, it's wasn't a thing. I really truly was not planning on taking a break. I was just going to record an episode every week because as much as I think that this helps folks um, or believe that it does based on some feedback, uh, it does help me too. So I really don't view this as work. I enjoy it. So I thought I take a break. It doesn't take that long to record an episode. I had this stellar interview before the holidays. I was super pumped to get that out and really, truly had no desire to take a break. But I'm telling you that just like a -a whack-a-mole popped up out of nowhere, my family got tested positive for COVID. So what an interesting time this has been. And I have to tell you that through all of it, I reflected so heavily on things that I've talked about in conversations with you on this podcast, things from my research, more intentional and focused and centered than I've been in a long time. So I thought a great conversation today would be kind of talking about these truths and our beliefs and things we know and that you know we should when we talk about shoulding all over ourselves things we should be doing and thinking and believing and things that we've talked about so many great conversations what do you do when those are put to the test now, please understand what I'm about to share is just my experience, and I am not trying to qualify what it's like to have COVID. I'm certainly not comparing my family's experience to anyone else, because if we have learned anything about this virus, it is that every single person is impacted as an individual. It is, nobody has the same story. Even in my household, there are three of us. Not one of us had what I would call really similar experience. So I am not in any way, shape, or form trying to compare, contrast, um, diagnose. (laughs) I just want to talk a little bit about my reactions, my proactivity, my approach, just kind of how I put my truth to use and how I process things differently, I think, because of the good work that has gone into preparing these conversations and having interviews and just this podcast and my intentionality in 2020 really, truly helped, I believe. So just a little bit of a timeline. I will tell you that my son, who's a teenager, has not been to school um, in person this year. We made a choice um, where we could and he has been home. He has left a few times for um, an event at school, he's been in and out of the building to grab things. He attends his most of his, um, he does take a musical lesson. But for the most part, he and I have been home. We do not leave on a regular basis. We're very careful. We have kind of a really um, nicely controlled group of people that we interact with, that we feel like live a life very similar to what we are. And we've been very blessed. Um, So that's not to say we're full on quarantine because believe me, we've attended weddings and we've done things that we, but we feel like we've been very safe and secure. And as you know, my husband teaches junior high and has been in the building daily since school started Um, sometimes with kids, sometimes not he coaches a sport. um, But for the most part, the protocols and Things that have been taking place, all we've all felt very safe. So it really has not been an issue that we've been living in fear. That has not been our reality. Um, but you do feel a certain amount of vulnerability when you have to, for your job, be around so many other people And those are not people that based especially on what your crazy wife reads on social media, feel comfortable with the choices that they're making and the views that they have and the regard that they have for other people. So um, this has been a little bit of an emotional school year um, for me, not my particular school year or even my son's just to watch my husband go through kind of what he's been going through and to observe the community, which I talked about that. In a previous episode, um, when I spoke about like the algorithm reset on episode 15, how I just kind of sort of had to take a little break from consuming so much content, especially from our local community and everyone's viewpoint of this. So uh, there has been some trepidation. I'll say that. Like we aren't hyper you know, fearful, but we're not like running around acting like that this is not a thing because we get that it's a thing and we respect that it's a thing. It was Saturday, December 12th. My husband got up in the middle of the night, didn't feel very good. He went to go get a drink. He came and laid back down. I was like, man, you feel really hot. I took his temperature. It was high. And he just like immediately got up and went into the guest room, which, you know, (laughs) In hindsight, I mean, in the moment, I was like, yeah, go. In hindsight, you know, based on how symptoms show up, how long you're contagious before that, um, the fact that we've all three live in one house with one HVAC system. I mean, like, you think about all these things and you're like, is it really worth creating a sick room and a sick bathroom and distancing from your spouse and your parent? But we did. You know, like, Kevin's whole thing was, I don't think I have COVID because this feels like a man cold. He really, truly acted like a man cold victim. Um, and you know, the man cold is what happens when (laughs) your wife says, do you need anything? And you immediately answer no. And when your wife says, have you taken any pain reliever? And you immediately answer no, where your wife says, can I get you anything to eat? And you immediately answer no. (laughs) It's really, truly you overreacting to all of your symptoms and your wife nagging you and you trying to get her to leave because you don't feel well. Um, That's kind of what, so that was like um, Saturday night into Sunday at our house was like, and I think because there, you just just felt bad um, physically and was a little nervous Um, emotionally about what he might have and what he might have brought into the house, Um, he slept, Kevin slept like the whole day. Um, Monday morning, because of the fever and precautions and understanding his role in society Um, as an educator who's, you know, actively around his colleagues and um, athletes and things, he went and got a test. He came home, was still pretty fatigued on Monday, but Tuesday and Wednesday taught online all day. I, on the other hand, felt fine. My son felt fine. I worked, um, I probably worked more hours this week that I'm describing to you because of final exams. And I spoke at several um, kind of virtual events. Like it it was probably one of the busiest weeks I'd had in a very long time. So Kevin was over in his little sick room teaching. Everything was fine. Wednesday they call. By Tuesday, he's like, I don't, there's no way I have COVID. Like i I'm breathing fine. I'm not coughing. I don't have a fever. I can still smell I mean, like everything that we've read, which I'll get to in a minute, because I will tell you how much I'd read at that point, (laughs) Um, we didn't really honestly think he had it. So we're all like, whatever. But we're still distancing and, you know, doing smart things. So Wednesday, mid-morning, his test comes back positive. My son and I go get tested on Wednesday. At this point, everybody's feeling fairly normal in our house. At this point, um, we're good. So we go get tested by Friday midday. Our results had come back. We had obviously tested positive as well. So at that point, I shifted many gears in my mind. So let's talk a little bit about like for someone who has a podcast talking about living in your truth and has spouted a lot of stuff at you in the last 36 episodes. Let's talk about where I was, truly where I was um, internally, emotionally, mentally, through this whole process. Because I have to tell you that as soon as my husband left our bedroom at like three o'clock in the morning, um, that's Sunday morning, I was on Google the whole whole rest of the night. (laughs) Like I am by nature a learner and an educator. I mean, that's what I do, right? Like, and I'm very strategic. So I'm like, and I think I've joked a little bit about my WebMD obsession. Like I just, I really want information. I want as much information as possible. Um, So I start Googling and because I want to know like, what's next? What do you do? What do you do when there's someone in your house? What do you do about this? What do you do about that? And honestly, like at some points, I thought, you know, you should put your phone down and just get some rest because this is probably going to be a really long haul um, and you don't know what's going to happen. And, but in my mind, this was helpful. This was in some ways me being in my circle of control because I was trying to access as absolute much information as possible. I was going to responsible sources. You know, I was doing things that in some ways felt helpful But not hurtful. Like it was helping me kind of cope and accept and understand and plan because I'm a big planner, strategic, you know, thoughts, those things. So that was probably fairly good. And it caused me to leave Kevin alone because I'm going to tell you about the 14th time I. aimed the um, thermometer at his head and that little beep. I'm pretty sure he's like a Pavlovian dog now. When he hears the beep of that little thermometer, he probably just (laughs) wants to start swatting in the air with his hands like, get away from me. I was truly just constantly on the hunt for more information, whether it was from him or about him, like his vitals, or, you know, checking on our son or, you know, constantly reading things from what I felt like were very valuable sources. Um, but again, just recti- constantly rectifying in my mind, like this is going to be different than what you're reading. This is all different. Things are different. Every person's different. So I got up the next morning and just, you know, tried to have a day, like a regular day. And I think I did pretty good. Monday, again, um, I would kind of exhausted most of the research I felt like. And so here's where you get into some real interesting dynamics with my personality, I think, and things that we've talked about throughout these conversations. But I feel like way back in episode two, where I talked about falling into the trap of, you know, Oh, this will look good or how this looks on your resume or how this or that. Like at this point, there was such little information. Like nobody had gotten a positive test, like whatever it was. Me being the constant overshare and communicative person that I am. I mean, communication is my number one strength, right? Um, Which I overshare. Everybody knows my business. Like the only people, there were like maybe four or five people that I even told that Kevin didn't feel well. Or that this was a possibility. Um, It just wasn't anything I was ready to talk about. And in some ways, I have to revisit like... Am I honoring the whole like how things appear or how things look? Did I not share it because like some level of shame with it, or you know what kind of what does that look like? Um, I'm very much about humor, which is like one of my top. Um, it is my top um, strength. If you look at the like the 16 personalities and some of those, like oh no, it's the val the values assessment. Humor is like my number one which I make fun and jokes about everything, usually to make other people feel better. But <laughs> I just, I didn't post this. I didn't share it. We didn't talk about it. Um, and, I, you know, again, there wasn't information to necessarily share. And I just wasn't going to jump on. And I know people who have had COVID and have never talked about it. These are also people that don't post every couple of hours on their social media. And it is fully in line with their truth. I felt like this was fully in mind, in line in line with mine, but as I look back, I'm like, did I not share that because of like how it looked or what people would say? And I ne- don't necessarily think that's true because like we, I did share later on um, just so people would know the other thing that I kind of lean a little bit on um, and think about some ways is again, I constantly go back to that circle of control. Like, just what you're about to do or what you're about to give the energy to. Do you really have control over this? And I'm honestly very proud of myself. And here's the other hard truth. I was not going to let anyone help me. I don't ever let anyone help me. It's part of being the Enneagram eight, that rebel, that really strong personality, I'm not able to have people help me. I don't, it, <laughs> I, it is like, and I've used this analogy a lot. When you walk into a store, do you remember walking into retail stores? Um, if you remember that the first thing they say to you, can we help you find anything? You know, are you looking for anything? Can we help you today? Regardless of why you walked in that building and what exactly you need, you answer No. Like, no, I want to go look on my own. And if I need your help, I'll ask. That is how I live my life. just, it is not a sign of weakness to ask for help. I don't think it is just not necessary if I can do it myself. Really, sometimes unhealthy. Other times fully, you know, it's okay. So I think that was my other part of just not telling anyone because I knew what would happen. And sure enough, I did eventually post on Facebook once, you know, I felt like the proverbial other shoe was not going to drop on us. Like, we'd all three gotten these um, positive tests. Kevin had completely rebounded and was fine. Our son had, you know, kind of an afternoon of not... He's the one who came downstairs and was like, I've never had a headache like this. And I'm thinking, of course not. A teenager. Like, I, I'm like, I'm sure this is the worst headache you've ever had. And he's so, you know, gave him some pain reliever and drank a lot of water. We did the things. But he sat next to me for like 20 minutes and kept describing how bad his eyes hurt. And I was like, well, maybe you should get off your computer or, you know, maybe this. It wasn't until two days later when that thing hit me that I was like, holy moly. I went to him and said, dude, if this is the headache that you had, high five to you for getting through it. Cause this thing is unbelievable. But it was between him getting that headache and me getting the headache. Cause honestly, that was the worst part for he and I were the headaches. Um, I had a little bit of fatigue and aches, but you know, not- so I did post on Facebook, and sure enough, like someone who I just adore was like, I'm bringing you dinner tomorrow. Okay, I don't need you to bring me dinner. Like, the, it, that was my first response is no. So I reply back, I'm like, thank you so much, but I just really don't need for you to go to the trouble. And she replied back and was like, look, my whole family had it and I know how you're going to feel and you're not going to want to feel like cooking. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we'll be fine. You know, like we got a microwave. We'll be fine. I'm not kidding. Two other people who know me and have known me a lot longer (laughs) just sent gift cards. And one of my very best friends sent me a gift card for a restaurant that she knows is right by our house. (laughs) Like, these two are not messing around because they have been in my life long enough to know. You don't just ask Anna, like, can we do anything? Because, again, retail um, clerk, no. They know. And I'm telling you what, the minute that gift card came, that's what we have for dinner that night. And I <laughs> remember eating that food, exhausted, thinking about chewing because I was that fatigued and thinking to myself, this is the greatest thing anyone has ever done knowing full well that if I had said to my tribe of people, I'm not sure how I'm going to make dinner, I would have had some kind of like a meal train calendar full. I know that that is true because people reach out. Can we get you anything? I'm going to the grocery store. Can I get you any? You know, like, but in my mind, I'm thinking about one of my best friends who was like, I'm already headed to the grocery store. I'm not going there right now. What can I get you? And I'm thinking... I've been getting grocery deliveries since March. Like there's no way I need you to haul some extra stuff to your car to make your trip longer to stop by my like I got no, I got this. I got this. like I love them for offering but there was really no way I was going to accept help. The other friend was just like, "Here you go. Here's a, you know, gift card. Use it in good health." Haha. And we did. We exhausted that thing for the next 3 nights um ordering meals. So I mean, what is it about me that I cannot accept help? I'm just not good at it. So not good at it. Um and again, maybe too deep in the circle of control, right? Because I feel like I can control everything. But I do in like reflection think about <laughs> the people that know me best, and I will honestly tell you these two individuals who just sent these gift cards um via email and text are a lot like me. I think they know like, mm -hmm, this is really the only way we're going to get food in our mouth um, and help the family is if we just do it. Um, So super grateful to them for just acting. I'm not suggesting that any of you do that in by no way, shape or form. And I'm, if I turning people helping us into some sort of like game, nobody won, nobody lost again, super hard to help. And I get it but also um, so so incredibly grateful when people do. <laughs> so I know that has to drive people crazy. I know it. And I get it. I can't help it. Um, I think the only thing I can do is constantly remind the people that are in my tribe and the people that I care about. Like, I know this about myself. I'm really incredibly hard to help. I'm very independent to a fault sometimes. Um, but I get it. Like... Th- <laughs> I don't know. It is hard. And this is something that I thought about quite a bit (laughs) through this. As I tell you, I reflected on those things. And I don't think that just saying to people, look, I'm an Enneagram 8. Like, I get it. I'm hard to help. (laughs) I don't think that that's good either, right? I have to talk through that. Um, And I don't think differently of my friends who just sent the gift cards, right? Like I don't view them differently than I have the friends who were like, I'm making you dinner tomorrow or I'm headed to the grocery store, can I help you? It is not a competition by any way, shape or form, but it is just kind of funny. The people that really know me Um, and know how to engage with me because, and I think those are the people that also share those personality traits. But um, so in my reading and two people, one of which who had COVID and another one, who's just one of the very smartest people that I know, um, stumbled upon like the COVID protocol when you're at home. And it was a list of the commonly used supplements and treatments and things that they use mainly even in hospitals and highly recommended by medical professionals. And things like zinc and vitamin D, all that stuff's on there, right? So, of course, I get all of that. I had another good friend say, "Do you have a pulse ox?" Uh, no, so I got one of those immediately, <laughs> which I have to tell you is good. That is good to have those tools. Um, it seems like a little bit of an overreaction um, when the box, the like supplements and the pulse ox and the things showed up. Like I thought, my husband was gonna just like have me committed. Cause he was like, what is happening in here right now? <laughs> Just kept pulling out, you know, here's some zinc and here's some probiotics and here's this and here's this. And, and like, he's like, what's that thing? I said, it's a pulse ox. It measures the oxygen in your, you know, make sure you're getting enough oxygen in your blood. And he was like, Oh, okay. And let me tell you, living with two males during COVID <laughs> when you feel seemingly fine, I mean, you're, Your symptoms are so minimal that it is almost easy to write off that you have caught what my friend describes as you have a virus that has killed people. Like you have to take this seriously. I'm running around. I'm telling you, chasing them with the fluids. Um, I had pieces of paper on the kitchen table with our names at the top and a morning, afternoon and evening (laughs) supplement protocol. All the pills were laid out. So I could tell from like, the living room or from standing in the kitchen who had taken their morning or afternoon supplements. And if they hadn't, then I scooped them up and went and found them. Like I was driving my husband and son absolutely crazy. But I mean, that to me was the exhausting part. Like, I know this is good for you. I know you're not going to take it. I am bringing it to you. I will watch you take it like they do in the movies for the crazy people. (laughs) I will check your mouth. Um, I will have you drink again in front of me. And then when I leave the room, I will listen for the toilet to flush. Like, I'm I'm on to this, like, healthy protocol. Um, drove him crazy. And, of course, now that everybody's back 100%, I couldn't get a supplement down one of their gullets to save their life. Um, but hilarious to me. But that's just um, the men that I live with, I think. But that... you know, passion of treating this and knowing that these were recommended and proven and what that became just the slightest bit of unhealthy obsession and monitoring their fluids and (laughs) constantly checking on their symptoms. But again, I was trying so hard to manage this circle of control because let me tell you about the emotional side of receiving a COVID positive test and the cons. And here was the other well-meaning things that a lot of people did on the Facebook and the phone calls and the text messages. And of course my mother leading this charge, they would say things like, well, it's okay. It's good that you're not suffering now. It's good that you don't have symptoms now, but I've heard things like, you know, even two weeks after getting a positive, people will lose their sense of taste and smell for a month. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks for sharing. Or you may not have any symptoms now, but you know, there's always a but, there's always something coming. I'm like, okay, not okay, great. Not helpful. And my front of my brain, my logic, wherever that is, I don't know if it's in the front, but the logical part of me understands they are sharing information that they have or experiences that their friends have had trying to help, I guess. But in my mind, I'm collecting all of that. And I'm chasing around the people I love the most in the world. I'm monitoring them, their symptoms, their inputs, their outputs, their supplements, (laughs) um, their vitals. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how many times we use that silly thermometer. But I I felt like, okay, everything is okay today. In this moment, right now, everything is fine. And I would not necessarily sit and dwell on the fact that the bottom could fall out for one or all of us at any point. But I do think that is a harsh reality. And you kind of just wait for the clock to tick and the next day to come. And for your people to be like, yeah, I feel all right. I feel good today. I have energy. Oh, you know what? I'm not sore. Then you're like, okay, okay, okay. And you keep moving and inching towards what you feel like is the end of this. That is this heavy emotional (laughs) toll that I'm not even really sure I understood was happening to me when I was in it, because I was also dealing with a lot of fatigue and muscle aches. And then the headache came. And here's where I have to tell you again, where you own your, your personality, you own who you are and the people that you have in your life, you own things and you embrace them regardless of, your situation, good, bad, and different. Christmas morning, and I had been texting back and forth with Ashley um, quite a bit, and she's been on the podcast way back at the beginning. I talk about Ashley in almost every episode. It's kind of funny. Ashley's a seven, right? Enneagram seven. She's my super positive, enthusiastic, let's make the best of everything person and had been um, one of the first people that I was actually Texting back and forth with about some other things and said, Hey, by the way, like we're waiting on Kevin's COVID test. So she checked in, you know, periodically, um, which again, indicative of what's going on in her life. Like we started texting about a situation in her life and then turned to my family. And then she just kept the spotlight on us. Um, How's Kevin? How's this going? How's that going? Christmas Eve night, we texted a little bit and then she checks on me Christmas morning. And I'm telling you right now, Christmas morning was my worst with the COVID. I had a headache that I'm not able to describe to you. I've had migraines before it wasn't anything like that. It was worse <laughs> because like a migraine, you just want things to be still. And if you lay in a dark room, um, you can you can almost manage it, the migraines that I've had anyway. This was one of these constant pressures and it, it was debilitating in some ways, but then it, you'd have a moment where you're like, oh, that's not so bad. So we're opening gifts. My phone buzzes and I'm thinking, be the mom, be present. Like, don't look at your phone on Christmas morning. But honestly, like, we're still doling out presents and, you know, doing whatever. So I look down, it's Ashley. She's like, how are you doing? How's everybody, you know, Merry Christmas, whatever. I mean, who takes time out of their family morning to check on their friend? And I'm, I'm looking at that and I'm processing, like, I have to respond to her because this is a friend who loves me and is checking on me. Like I responded to everybody who checked on me. Um, And again, not many people were doing a Christmas morning, but I replied back to her, like this headache, I just can't even hardly function. And I, I just, this is hard. She immediately replies back with like, here's what I do when I have a migraine. And she sends me this list. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like two of the things on the list. I was like, why didn't I think of that? I don't know, maybe because you got a COVID headache. So we finishing opening gifts and I'm thinking, well, now I need to find out how to get this, these two things from the pharmacy or something into my house on Christmas morning. So again, I get on the, the phone and I go... CVS is open. I look at my husband, my little acts of service, my my loving, amazing husband. And I looked right at him and said, I need you to get dressed and go to the pharmacy and get these two things right now. <laughs> he acted like I had shot a pistol in his general direction. He was out of the chair dressed back in the room in like a fraction of a second it seemed like. And he said, do we know if the pharmacy's open? I said, yes, I have verified CVS is open. And he said, I'm going now, send me a picture of what you need. He gets there, sends me a picture back of what he's buying. He is home in no time. That is like, (laughs) again, acts of service is my love language. And the fact that he is like the caregiver living with me, and the male, you know, hunter-gatherer. The fact that I handed that over to him on Christmas morning, I have to tell you, was his shining moment. Like, for him and for me and for every Because I took what she told me to take in the manner in which she told me to take it and drank, a, like, a Gatorade or something. And within an hour, Kevin said your eyes are clear and you look better than you've looked in a couple of days. And I said, I feel better sitting here right now than I have for three days. It was amazing. And I'm calling Ashley my Christmas miracle (laughs) because, I mean, it's just unbelievable to me that that transpired the way it did on Christmas day. And that is her and her intentionality living in her truth caring and loving people the way that she does with her heart. And that is me, not the easiest person to help the fact that that happened the way that it did. And I, it made such a difference in everybody's life. Like I could visibly see my husband and son relax Christmas day because I felt so much better. I was up, I was moving around. I was laughing. We had a great meal. We enjoyed the day. I mean, we put our presents together, we laughed, we it just, it was an incredibly different moment that it would have been had I not had that exchange with my friend. So for somebody who has a hard time letting people in or talking to people or doing those things, that was a huge pivotal moment for me where I had to just understand that there's a reason I constantly keep my, my tribe small but there's also a reason I have to honor that they're my tribe. So that was huge. Just a really, really unique experience to have To have it unfold the way that it did. Um, we're very grateful for the outcomes. Um, very grateful for the people in my life. And also incredibly grateful. Um, and even Kevin mentioned this at one point. Like you're handling this better than I thought you would and you're, you're holding it together. And I was like, well, I have to tell you, like, I feel more grounded in coping mechanisms and understanding who I am and what my own red flags are as I approach this today than I would have a year ago. And that felt really empowering. It felt really good. I think that it was great modeling for my child, to watch and witness and for me to communicate that I think it helped my husband cope and deal with something um not only just health related but I mean there's just there's a lot that wears on you emotionally internally and with the people that you love and with how other people engage with you, there's a lot of stuff you could spiral out of control. Um, and if you're already having a hard time, like walking in your truth and being intentional about your own thoughts and feelings and reactions and, and loving on yourself enough to care about your, not only your own, your like mental and physical and emotional health, but just your health in general, it was, it would have been a lot. I was very, very appreciative of the different things that I have learned preparing for these conversations. I think that is a true testament to how important it is to just really focus on what you're putting on your lenses. And it's easy to do repetitively and intentionally when things are good, it is harder to hold on to when things start going sideways in your life. Um, I can't tell you that I would have been as proud of myself had I maybe had to put somebody or myself in the hospital, or if we had had like a long haul situation. I don't know. Um, Again, I'm just so incredibly grateful that wasn't the case, but I think that what I went through reinforces to me that this is daily, constant, intentional work, of identifying the the negative behaviors, where the negative thoughts, where you need boundaries, who in your life is healthy, who is not. And our reaction to that in this situation was far more healthy and mature than it ever would have been, I think, had I not really been focused on this podcast and these really important concepts and theories and practices. And it's just, it's so important. It is so important to make yourself a priority, how you understand yourself, right? To know yourself. That's what I talk about. Know yourself, accept yourself, and love yourself. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you handle everything well. Hey, I, I cannot control how people react to me. I can only control myself. And I... I'm so much in line right now with who I truly am and my intentions and my purpose and passions that I am probably in a healthier place emotionally and mentally than I have been in years. And that really got put to the test. And I'm proud of how I handled things. I'm proud of, you know, how I cared for my family, how I cared for myself, how I communicated, how I spent my time and how I did the things that mattered. I did the things that were proven by research and I did not get, you know, I was not extra difficult because I was spiraling out of any kind of like control or anything, which I, again, very proud of and not comparing myself or our situation, to anyone else, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, this is not up for comparison. This is not up for anything other than the big conversation theme that I wanted to have with you today is don't discount this stuff. When we when we have conversations about apologizing, when we have conversations about narcissists in our life, when we talk about codependency, when we talk about boundaries, when we talk about the expectations that you have for yourself and for other people, we I mean, all of the things that we talk about, you really need to take a deep dive when make the time, make the time when you can, I think is the message here, because something that is difficult for you is coming along. And maybe, you know, more often than not, you aren't going to be able to reach back into your tool chest and pull out what you know about these things when you are in some sort of crisis or trauma or panic or stress. That's when this stuff needs to have already been a muscle. And I'm telling you, it's work, and it's intentionality. I've spent every week for 36 weeks thinking about a topic, researching a topic, trying to make topics important and relevant to all of us. And that practice has helped me get to a place where when something hard happened, I was ready. And again, not comparing my hard time or my COVID situation or my holiday, or I'm not comparing anything other than ask yourself, are you ready? Are you fully accepting of yourself? Are you living your truth? Are you in a place where you have practiced and identified and processed and reflected on all of these concepts that come together to either, force you into situations, pull you out of, you know, it's, you're like one of those big globs of slime sometimes where you're just stretched and then you're put back together and then you're stretched and then you're put back together. But through that, have you developed those mental and emotional muscles to have the confidence and the love and the acceptance of who you truly are and how you will go and apply that. So I share this whole entire tale with you today because I wanted you to know that everything that we talk about in these conversations is as important to me as I want it to be for you. It's not applicable for everyone. I talk about things in these conversations doesn't necessarily apply to me in a moment, but knowing about them and hearing about them, having a story that I can relate to having something that I could put in my tool chest helps me later on. And I'm hoping that's what happens when you listen to these conversations as well. So Again, um, people are asking a lot on social media, what's your word? What's your big word? What's your theme for 2021? And uh, mine was not something I had to think about. It was truth. It was absolutely positively truth. Um, truth is my word this year because I want to be true to myself. I want to continue to build on the good foundation that I have done with knowing myself and accepting myself, loving myself, and being true to myself. I want to continue to push other people to do that. I want people to find their truth and live their truth because it is really and truly the closest we're going to get to self-actualization. And the more of us that get there, the more people we will bring along and the, the happier we will be as a society. We can disagree about a lot of things if we are all taking them in stride and understanding people can have opinions and that it's not a personal attack. I think you have to really be living in your truth and be real close to it as we can get to that self-actualization, that tippy top of the Maslow's hierarchy. Um, and then truth in society and community and the media and in politics and everything else. Like if we will all just embrace some form or fashion of that, factual truth, whatever you want to call it, very important. So that's, again, my passion, my word, my theme for 2021. I will continue to record these podcasts conversations every week um, because now I don't need a break. (laughs) I had one. I'm back. And I do have an incredible interview coming up for you on the next episode. And we'll see where 2021 takes us. But I really do appreciate all of you that have listened. Really, truly appreciate all the feedback and communication that I get from people. Um, And I hope you'll continue to do that. There will be some changes um, to some of my social media accounts and my website and things coming up in the next couple weeks. And I will talk about that a little bit, but still very easy to get a hold of me if you just you want to email me at Anna at GoldenTicketProf.com. Or go to my website, goldenticketprof.com, or any of my social media. You can find me pretty much all the places, except Snapchat. So yeah, I'm not on Snapchat. I can't handle it. Um, but I hope you have a great week and thank you for listening. <music>